Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company. For a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, you can pick an experienced, licensed therapist you relate to and feel comfortable with. Each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com forward slash boom. And to show your support for this podcast, use code boom to get $30 off your first month. That's boom. Talkspace.com slash boom. B-O-O-M. You are locked on, locked on, locked on Hornets, your daily Charlotte Hornets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Open man is Haas, they can't find him, it's And that is uh, tonight's guest, the great Eric Collins, on the call. This is Locked On Hornets here on the Locked On Podcast Network. And and Justin's so excited. Is, he, is someone listening to the... This is me? Oh, yeah. It may be, yeah. David's so excited oh, about gosh. the show. He's, he's I to listening. I want to see it and be it. He's listening to it right now. That's exciting. Uh, all right, we're coming to you. It's Hornets Talk for the Hardcore Fan, by the way. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and we are coming to you live from the, if you can't tell, we are live, uh, coming to you from the Gittimer.com studios in BEA. <laughs> I'm glad you blame that on Justin. It was me. I can't blame, listen, me. I can't blame anything on you. You have a, a wonderful denim jacket. I can't get a close-up of it, but boy, do I want to. Look at this thing. It's a beauty. Uh, I'm Doug Branson, joined by the man in the middle, David Walker. Gosh, Doug, it is great to be here on a huge May I say monumental show. This is a wonderful show we've got coming up. Holding down the left block, he covers the Hornets for ESPN. Charlotte, Justin, Thomas. I'm excited to be here, guys. <laughs> I can tell. Are you excited? I, I like can to, tell. I like to that's keep it a little you, mellow. Listen, if you I'm don't, excited. Yeah, he's the mellow one. If you can't tell, that's his excited voice. That's a, the most excited I've ever heard him. And that's because we've got a great show ahead for you. Uh, you heard him at the top, Hornets play-by-play announcer and how-do-you-do-ologist Eric Collins joins us on the Locked Online in just under 10 minutes. Plus, we're talking about the Hornets' decision to extend Cody Zeller. Four years, $56 million for uh, Cody Zeller. And David can't even sit still right now because it's the premiere of his very own sneaker segment. So that's coming up. The latest, oh, yeah. The latest, yeah. And we're, doing pedestrial, we're doing that at hey, night. Pedestrial no, no, no. stylings coming up on... I don't know. I I don't know if I've run this name by you yet, David. But I've, I'm calling it right now. This is a working title. D and D's kick picks. I saw that on the rundown. It's not bad. All right. It's better than uh, David talks male shoes, right? Yeah, that's terrible. All right, that's no good. That's so that one's out. Yeah, it's not great. All right, here we go. Let's launch. <laughs> A reminder, it's the step. First of all, this is the step back three. This is a segment we're going to do every show. We're going to look back on three things, one from each of us, uh, on this past week of Hornets action and talk about what we liked, what we didn't like, a couple of things that we have for you here. But a reminder, if you're watching live, you can comment uh, on anything on this show or ask us any kind of question, youtube.com forward slash locked on Hornets. You can chat with us there or on the at the hive. Facebook page. Okay, here we go. Three things we saw in the past week of Hornets action could be something we liked or we didn't like or made us laugh until we cried. David, what you got? For me, it had to be the lamb chops, Doug, as you coined them. Actually, it was only one, right? It was the big block for Jeremy Lamb. I think we, yeah, we have the video here. Let's take a look. Uh, this was against Miami. 
Driving, driving. Nope. Oh, a little back door. Got Marco, but no, 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 no. Yeah. Jeremy. No, no, Not no. Not on this year's Jeremy. This is Lamb. a this no, is a slow mo. And so this was part of what's the score there, Doug? You have to use your super hearing. That's, uh, uh, or, that's, <laughs> it looks like it's all knotted at seventy nine. Okay, okay. So that was a key moment in that game. I mm-hmm. knew it was. But that's the type of effort we have been seeing out of Jeremy Lamb so far this season. And this hamstring issue has Tough. popped up. So hopefully he will be back soon. But I was starting to see that same thing uh the other night against Boston. Just more focused, more locked in. And, you know, Justin, that's your guy. Locked on even. Locked on, if you will. It is. I I've always said the word for this season is health and you it's have start, it's starting now. <laughs> Heck, it started before the season yeah. with Zeller. But well, Justin, what do the Hornets lose without Lamb for a week, maybe two weeks, and that's important because they've got some tough matchups coming up. You use length. He's versatile, mm-hmm. and you and you lose shooting. Mm-hmm. You know they lost the guys last year that could really stretch the floor, and he's a guy that he might not play defense from time to time. But we know one thing he's going to do. He's going to be engaged in offense. So I think this is time for uh, Marco Bellinelli and Ramon Sessions to it's gotta be. You know, pick it up. Well, da- David, that's a, uh, Justin makes a great point. Who do you think really has to step up? Is it Marco or maybe do they look a little deeper in the rotation now and head to a guy like Travion Graham? Well, I think it's going to fall on Marco, but also on um, on Nick Batum. I mean, he has not shot the ball well that 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 early in this season, Great so I think point. it's going to be on him. You know, you're getting what you need from Kemba. I mean, that's the thing I'm I'm pleased about because Kemba, even in the Miami game, horrible yep. first half, right? Came back, hit some massive shots, and then he was really the guy that kept him in that Boston game. Played like an all star against an all star, at least on offense. Um, but but that's the thing you type of seeing. And Nick has not played at least scoring wise has mm-hmm. not played up to that salary yet so i think it's going to be on marco i think when frank gets back it's going to be on him and again on nick batum okay seven percent and gonna cut it no 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 and and we've got a segment coming up where we're going to talk a little deeper about that particular stat but justin step back three go ahead step back sir what you got this weekend we got the good the bad and the ugly okay you saw the healthy roster you saw you saw the milwaukee game you saw the bad going down 19 to miami and then you saw the ugly against Boston. The, the was it ugly? I wouldn't. Eh, I will always say this: whenever Clifford comes to give a statement and doesn't take questions, it's ugly. That, ugly. That, that's true. That did that did happen. Yeah, Clifford made his statement, did not take questions from the media. He was very frustrated by that second half defensive performance. He. Use the term freelancing. Guys were freelancing, kind of not doing, you know, exactly the plan when it comes to pick and roll coverages. And we profiled a, a few of those plays on our Twitter at Locked On Hornets, where guys were uh, out of position on a on a particular ice play where Kemba tried to down the screen and send Isaiah Thomas, keep him out of the middle, send him down, and there was just nobody there. Uh, Frank or Batum missed that play. So it's those little mistakes. And with the Hornets' offense still trying to find its identity, I think that the defense – that's why Clifford's upset because I think at this point, in terms of the defense, he's demanding perfection. Yeah. So I'm going to step back to the man that everyone around the Hornets organization and Hornets fans are talking about today, and that's Cody Zeller. Not his extension, 
but his role in the comeback against the Miami Heat. He was central in their uh, late first half run to dig the team out of a hole and prevent a week one losing record. He started that um, run, guys, with a, a huge screen for Kemba Walker, allowing him to get open and knock down the three that began that run. But then his just relentlessness to get to the basket. And we were worried about, you know, could without Al Jefferson, could the team um, get enough fouls on Hassan Whiteside? Well, Cody Zeller in one of those and one plays that he knocked down uh, really helped the team get that fourth foul on Hassan Whiteside and keyed uh, their second uh, keyed a second half run uh, for sure. Okay, uh, each week we're asking you our question of the show. Send us your response on Twitter at Locked On Hornets, and it will pop up on the screen next to us. Or if you're watching us live on YouTube or Facebook, just leave it in the comments, and we'll read them later in the show. We've got these two gentlemen uh, keeping an eye on it. This week's question. Should the Hornets have extended Cody Zeller for four years, $56 million? Have your voice heard. Tweet us. What do you think? Cody Zeller, extension, good, bad. What do you think? Facebook us, chat on YouTube. A lot of $100 million men uh, made on Monday. Cody Zeller, not one of them, but he does get the extension from the Hornets. Joined now on the Locked On line by Michael Kasky, Blow Main, MKB. Been on the show many times. He's a Sixers insider at 97.3 ESPN. Welcome back, Mike. Thanks for having me on, fellas. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So what's going on in Sixers land? Obviously, sort of some late breaking news here today on Tuesday. The Philadelphia 76ers pulling a trade. Tell us quickly about that. Yeah, it came uh, kind of out of nowhere about half an hour ago. We uh, The Sixers moved uh, forward Jeremy Grant, who uh, they selected in the uh, the second round of the 2014 draft to uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder. For um, it looks like the, the return still being sorted out a little bit, but uh, forward uh, Irsan Ilyasova and a, a future first round pick with uh, some protections and stuff attached to it. So uh, you know, basically a quick little shakeup of the roster. I'm not sure if the team yet uh, if they intend to hold on to Ilyasova or if he's going to be uh, you know waived. Um, but you know, it's definitely a kind of a exciting little move here that came out of nowhere on a Tuesday afternoon, like you said. Now, what did Jeremy Grant bring to this team? What will they lose uh, in Jeremy Grant? You know, it's tough because as a player, I was a pretty big fan of Jeremy Grant. He's a really athletic guy. He, uh, you know, can just attack the rim. You know, he has some super athletic dunks, real nice athleticism, a guy that can finish around the rim on some alley-oops. You know, he's been working on his shot a little bit. He's kind of a a tweener, if you will, kind of an in-between three, four, uh, type guy, but he brings a lot of energy and, uh, you know, a multifaceted skill set to the team. I think as far as the Sixers were concerned, his role just kind of wasn't defined and they have so many guys, um, you know, vying young guys, especially vying for minutes in the front court already that I think there was a chance that, you know, Jeremy was kind of just going to get lost in the rotation and not really get to, uh, you know, develop into anything for the team. So I think it was a situation where they kind of wanted to just get some value for him, you know, while they could. Now we know that Joel Embiid will not play against Charlotte. Uh, The Philadelphia deciding to hold him out of the back end of the back-to-back that they are on. They play tonight. Uh, Can you just tell us, though, how amazing has it been to watch Joel Embiid? Because just seeing the the highlight plays, um, he looks outstanding, shooting – for a guy his size to shoot as well as he's shooting from outside, even though some of the stuff around the rim hasn't gone in, is just amazing in the way he moves on the floor. What have you seen from Joel Embiid so far? 
You know, I'll tell you, I've been really impressed. And more than anything, I think I've just been impressed with how quickly um, things have, have kind of come together for him. Uh, you know, from going from not playing any real organized basketball in over two years to now, um, you know, he'll be playing 24 minutes tonight uh, against the Magic, which is, you know, the long, the biggest minutes he's been allowed to play so far. So in, in a very short period of about a month um, since he played his first preseason game to now, uh, you know, just the way that he's already been able to adapt to the, you know, the pace of play and just kind of get back into the swing of things and also just show off his skill set. Like you said, I mean, he really projects to be a guy, you know, all of this, of course, is prefaced with, you know, if he can stay healthy, um, knock on wood, that's, uh, you know, that comes with the territory with him. But, you know, if, if he's able to, uh, you know, keep himself out on the court, um, you know, the flashes from what he's, sh- he's shown, he really projects to be a guy you know, kind of in the vein of a Carl Anthony Towns almost that can really do it on both ends of the floor and inside and out, uh, you know, as far as being a rim protector, a, a rebounder, and a guy that can, you know, score from the inside and also take it out to the, you know, all the way out to the three-point range, really. So, uh, you know, he's just a multi-talented, uh, super athletic guy who has crazy, um, you know, athleticism and ability for, you know, his his size. So no Embiid, no Grant. What should Hornets fans expect from the roster that Philly decides to throw out there on Wednesday in Charlotte. And is there anything that the Sixers do particularly well that, that could catch a team asleep? Yeah, you know, actually, obviously uh, it's that point in the season where any statistics you point to are, it's such a small sample size that it's hard to draw much from it. But uh, as, as of right now, the Sixers are within the top 12 in a, you know, defensive efficiency. They've been uh playing some decent lockdown defense. Their numbers are much better with Embiid on the floor, who, um, like you said, already will not be playing against the Hornets tomorrow. But uh, it's a lot of young guys mixed with a couple of veterans out there that are really trying to, uh, you know, establish themselves, I think, either establish themselves in the league or kind of reestablish themselves as guys that, uh, you know, belong in the league or, or within a rotation. So I think, uh, you know, you'll get a, a lot of scrappy, hard-playing uh, baskets won't necessarily be easy to come by. With that being said, I think, uh, you know, especially without Embiid and with Okafor on a uh, on a minute restriction tomorrow night, I'm not sure what the exact number is, I think, in the teams. But, um, you know, I think the Sixers will struggle to score, uh, you know, against the Hornets defense, which has been, you know, pretty formidable through the first couple of games so far. I think uh, there'll be there'll be stretches of time throughout the game tomorrow night, especially, uh, like I said, without Embiid in there to kind of run the offense through that the Sixers will be, you know, struggling to put points on the board. And I think that's an area where the Hornets will kind of be able to capitalize and eventually maybe you might, you know, kind of serve as a difference in the game. MKB, Michael Kasky, Blow Main Sixers insider at 97.3 ESPN, giving us a preview of uh, tomorrow night's action, Philly and Charlotte tipping off at seven o'clock here in Charlotte. Mike, thanks for joining us. Always a pleasure, guys. Thank you. Welcome back to Locked On Hornets here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Uh, All right, let's go straight out to the Locked On line where we have a very special guest. He is the Hornets television play-by-play announcer, and uh, we're big fans of him here, Eric Collins. Eric, how are you? Hey, I'm doing great on a Tuesday night. Looking forward to tomorrow and getting back after it. 
Yeah, absolutely. So, um, Eric, the top story right now is the extension given to Cody Zeller, four years, $56 million. We won't ask you about the salary cap implications, but we want to ask you what you've seen out of – don't want to have you crunch any numbers uh, this late at night, but we do want to ask you about what you've seen out of Zeller in the first three games that could justify this extension to Hornets fans that, that may need that justification. Well, I think you kind of got to take money out the window. You know, money in – Today's day and age in the NBA, it's, it just doesn't make any sense. You know, we think of what a $10 million player should be, and you know, it's just not the case anymore. You used to know, okay, there was only one Akeem Olajuwon, and he made his $10 million, and, and Michael made 15 and it all kind of trickled down from there. You know, it's, just, it's just the way of the world. There's just so much money right now in the NBA pie, and the way that it gets you know, cut, cut apart is that it makes for some kooky contracts. But I think that Cody Zeller has proven himself to be – uh, a player that can be a contributor on a winning team. Um, I think he plays both ends of the floor. I think guys like to play with him. I think he doesn't make a mistake that kills you. Um, I think he's a guy who can defend a five. He can defend a four. I think he's still in an upward arc. I think he's got a chance to get significantly better. Um, uh, but I think he's a definite valuable piece on a quality winning team long term. So I think that the, I think this is a good thing for Cody, obviously. Uh, but I think it's a good thing for the organization. I think it's a good thing for Lawrence fans. Eric, you've gotten a close look at this team for three games now. A lot of people, including Coach Clifford, have talked about how different this team looks from last year's team, despite bringing back a lot of the core pieces. Is that what you're seeing as well? You know what? Last year was just um, what I remember is the first couple of games, particularly the first couple of wins, the offense was just so smooth, and it was just so fun to see what Nick Batum could bring to the team. And the three pointers were, were all going in. Uh, yeah, and this year it's different. It's two and one, which is a great record. Totally thrilled after playing two road games and one home game to be two and one. But I think the offense is going to be a work in progress, night in and night out. And I think the defensive consistency is just going to have to be there. I think that the team continues to block shots the way that it does, continues to average whatever 97 points a game allowed. I think they've got a chance to be really good. But I'm still waiting for that just wonderful, beautiful. You know, quasi-European style basketball that I saw for a large chunk of last season. Eric, Jeremy Lamb suffers a hamstring injury against Boston. Some people think he'll miss a week or, or possibly even two weeks. What do you think they're going to lose in Lamb's absence? Uh, you know, I hope it's only a week or two weeks. I'm not a doctor. I don't know anything, but I think hamstrings are always tricky. I think I'd always prefer to see a, an injury to a, a finger or wrist, a foot, you know, besides that hamstring, just because you just don't know. Uh, I think it's. I think this is going to be a good year for Jeremy. I still think it will be. I think he played really well in Game Two down in Miami, and Lord knows he's got just wonderful skill. The team believes in him. I know Coach Clifford never soured on him at all. Uh, and obviously, Kemba Walker is his biggest fan, and I think that Kemba carries so much weight in that locker room. And when he's playing on the floor, you're not going to want to disappoint him. And Jeremy Lamb has got the skills. He's got the brain. He's got the the want to. Uh, to not disappoint. So I'm looking forward to getting seeing him back. I'd be curious to see how the rotation changes in the couple of games with him being out. Um, but I think when he does come back, if he comes back totally healthy, I think he's got a chance to be just like Cody Zeller, a very important piece on a very good team. Eric, who do you look at and say, okay, with, with Jeremy Lamb out, could be an extended amount of time. Uh, who do you look at and say, this player will definitely need to step up and pick up uh, Jeremy Lamb's uh, slack? Well, I think the knee jerk would be Marco Bellinelli, um, just because they play similar positions, and Marco's actually got the experience. You know, a guy's been in the league for ten years, and you can fill it up. 
But I, I kind of think a wild card is going to be Frank Kaminsky. We haven't seen a lot of Frank so far this year, just that one game. Um, but I think Frank has got the skill set to help on both ends of the floor. Maybe he's not going to guard the same positions that Jeremy Lamb was, but I think he's kind of got the expectation level as a Jeremy Lamb. You know, you expect him to go out there, you expect him to contribute, you hope he's going to do really good things, um, but you don't know. He's that wild card that could get a lot better really fast, just like Jeremy Lamb. And uh, I know that Frank worked really hard in the offseason, and I know what his track record was. And I go way back to Chicago with Frank, and he was next to nothing in terms of the eyes of recruiters when he was a freshman, sophomore, and junior. And then he really just got better and better and better. And then the same thing in college. You know, he was so far below the line as a freshman and maybe even a sophomore at Wisconsin. And then all of a sudden he became really good his junior year and the best player in the country his senior year. So it takes him a while to kind of get his feet wet, but when he does, he does in a big way. So I think that Frank, if he has the jump that I think that he's going to have, and I think a lot of people around the league think he's going to have, I think he could pick up a lot of that slack. Yeah, that's something we've talked about here, Eric, that adjustment from being the main guys last year at Wisconsin, coming in, trying to you know fit in and, and still produce here in the NBA. I wanted to ask you a general basketball question because you've covered both college and pro. There seems to be this constant need for fans on either side to proclaim their version superior. Why do you think that is? Why do you think that is? And what do you say? What would you say to bring those two sides together? Uh you know what? I think basketball is a great game, and I think that it's the perfect link. I think it's the perfect, you know, display of athleticism and intensity. Uh, I love doing college basketball games. I did a lot of college basketball games over the years. My only knock on college basketball is, and it's also one of its benefits, is college basketball. There's only so many hours a week you can practice. There's only so so much progress you can make throughout the course of the year and even over you know the course of guys' careers because there's so many ins and outs with you know, freshmen leaving and freshmen coming in and guys staying four years and all those variables. But then again, that's also the great thing is, is there's always the chance of having an absolutely petrified 18-year-old at the free throw line shooting a one-on-one at the end of the game. Right. And you've got a chance for him to do something really cool and memorable, or you also have a chance for him to be totally human. And that's, you don't get that in the NBA, you know, because there's that consistent level of expectation and production in the NBA. And you, it's obvious, you know, with all the practices, with all the, the shoot-arounds, with all the time and meetings that the guys have to be together, you know, it is a polished product that you don't get at the college level night in and night out. You can get a really good effort at times yeah. at the college game, but the NBA is it's pros. It's like watching professionals, the best in the world, do what they do night in and night out. And there's a special beauty to that the synchronicity and the teamwork um, and the fellowship. And uh, yeah, that's the cool thing with me is there's a rhyme. Uh, there's a method to the madness. You know, it's, if you watch closely enough, these guys are really doing some intricate things and changing what intricate things they're doing night in and night out. We're here with uh, Hornets television play-by-play announcer, Eric Collins. Eric, let's shift gears and talk about the actual work that you do, your process in the booth. Walk us through your game day preparation for a Hornets game. Uh, well, the game day preparations actually start the day before. Um, I, I'm old school. I don't do the computer thing in terms of I don't have a laptop in front of me. I, I like to have all my work in front of me. Um, it's just like the world's biggest open book test. So I just like to have all the information that I could ever possibly need available to me and written down in front of me because that's the way that I, I study and I remember things. So I create these old-fashioned boards out of manila folders and I write down names and numbers and heights and weights and hometowns and colleges, and I find out as many 
minute details as I can, just because that's what really kind of gets me going. As I, my blood starts to, to really flow, you know, when I find out that, you know, whoever played eighth grade year AAU ball with another guy who you know, <laughs> no one would ever even possibly associate the two being together. Um, so I do my prep the night before. The morning of, um, I go to the, the shoot round. I guess they're called game preps now. Someone in the NBA decided to change the name. But I go to the shoot rounds in the morning. Um, and I can watch Coach Clifford and his staff go over the game plan, and I get a chance to talk to the guys, and I get to fill in my stories. So if I, you know, found out something the night before and I needed confirmation that whatever, uh, Marvin Williams' middle name is really gay, yep. like, well, how, how the heck is, you know, Marvin Gay, where did that story come from? And he'll fill it in, and all of a sudden that augments my story. Uh, and then a big thing that I learned a long time ago, and I learned this from Mike Tirico, of all people, uh, when you're on the road, you got to step away and you got to spend an hour, an hour and 15, do whatever you need to do, but just get away from the game and just do something that a local would do. So if you're in New York, go for a walk in Central Park. You know, if you're, uh, if you're in Orlando, you know, it's the middle of January and you're stuck in cold weather, wherever you are, just get outside and have lunch outside and see what other people are doing. So I'm a big believer in stepping away and finding out those kind of cool, yeah. Hey, this is where we are stories, you know, and all of a sudden you never know that couldn't find its way into a broadcast when you could mention that I went to the Washington Monument today. It's the world's largest obelisk. Did you know it used to be the largest building in the world until the Eiffel Tower passed the Washington <laughs> Monument? Cool stuff like that. Yeah. You know? uh, and then drops. The, yeah. <laughs> and then I left to get to the arena early. Uh, that's my favorite part of the day. The absolute favorite part of the day is being around an arena as it starts to fill up being around other announcers, being around the arena personnel, um, and just getting a chance to talk ball. You know, I used to do uh, Major League Baseball, and that is absolutely deliriously exciting, getting a chance to go down to the batter's box or the batting cage and just rub elbows with Mark McGuire and have him talk hitting, or just getting a chance to talk to whoever and just having them fill in the gaps from the story that you remember from 1982 when you were a kid growing up. Wow. Um, so I love – game prep for me. I like the three hours before the game leading right up to the game. Um, but we have kind of a weird situation, not weird. It's a wonderful situation, but it's a unique situ- situation where we do it all. You know, we do the pregame show. We do the postgame show. We do the game. We do halftime. So I get pretty darn busy um, about 45 minutes before the game and uh, we really don't stop. So I do have that sweet spot, about two hours until one hour before the game where I just so enjoy talking basketball with people who are living it and people who are doing it right now. Uh, and then we roll up our sleeves and we just talk and talk and we don't stop talking until it's all cooked and done. Well, it's not only unique in that respect, Eric, but it's also unique because you are part of a three-person booth. What were the challenges in year one with a three-person booth? And, and what did you learn that you've taken in uh, to this season? Uh, it, it, uh, you know what? I've always really enjoyed the three-person booth just because it helps from what we're doing. Like this, everyone knows what story we're doing. Everyone knows where we're coming from. You know, we spend so much time together, and I think that that really helps when you're going to do 82 games. You know, I get a chance to sit next to Stephanie and Dell in the morning at shoot-around. I get a chance to be with them as we get ready for the game, and when we're doing it, you know, there's a consistency. You know, I know what Stephanie's experienced, and I know what Stephanie, you know, figured out X's and O's wise when she went to shoot-around. And I, I was eavesdropping on a conversation with Dell when Dell was talking to a former teammate of his, his rookie year out in Utah. And they were telling a story about what it was like to play against the George Carl team. 
You know, so there's all these different things that because we're so connected at all times, I get a way better chance of understanding who they are. Now, that's the great thing. The bad thing is, is we also spend so much time together that sometimes I think we need to push each other to a little bit of extremes. And I, I kind of want to find out more information that Stephanie could offer me. And I want to find more information that Dell can to offer me. So it's always, that's the big key right now this mm. year too, is I want, you know, we're friends and we all love the game and we all love the Hornets and, and what we do. But now I want to get your, I want to get everyone maybe a little bit further out of their comfort zone and find out something that we didn't know. Cause I think it not only helps me, but it finds out helps the people at home as well. If we kind of push ourselves, put ourselves out there and, and uh, you know, maybe it's, I don't know. I just think that if we try and do a little bit differently and try and think a little bit further outside of the box, all three of us, I think that that'll stimulate all of our different interests. And I think that'll stimulate the growth, which I think people will see and hear when they're at home. Well, we can definitely respect that, Eric, because that's why we do this podcast and we broadcast it live on YouTube and Facebook. We wanted to kind of do uh, a little something different uh, on, on the podcast front. So we definitely respect that. Awesome. I love it. Yeah, Eric, you've got such a an interesting group there. If you think about it, because you got Dell, like who's the basically the first family of basketball right now, right? He's got Steph and <laughs> uh, and the Suns playing, and then you have Stephanie, who's broken barriers in her own right and and made her mark on the game. And then you've got a coach like Steve Clifford, who's really come up through the ranks and has been in coach superstars been around different um teams and then there's patrick ewing sitting on the bench who has been a superstar played on the dream team seen things that no one else has seen who has the best basketball stories that you've heard wow well you know what not only we'll get to that in a, in a moment there's some wonderful basketball stories no doubt about that but just the access to get those stories yeah it's there 100 mm-hmm. percent you know, and my other experience in the NBA was maybe it's just because I was younger and I definitely was the last person in the party. Um, but I was the sideline reporter and pregame guy and all that kind of stuff for the Chicago Bulls back in the late nineties, back when Michael and Scotty and those guys won wow. their last championship. Pretty cool. So <laughs> I was the last person there and they had already won five championships and I got hired for the last year. So you know, everyone's kind of set in their ways and I was the new guy and they probably didn't want to say, you know, come on over here and let's rehash everything. But it was uh, it was a tough crowd. You know, Bill Jackson mm. was no Steve Clifford in terms of his accessibility, in terms of his interest in talking to the media. Um, he was he's not a whimsical guy at all. You know, you gotta you gotta be buttoned up and ready to go, and he'll give you exactly what he wants to give you and nothing more. Um, so that was my first experience of the NBA. And that, that was, was your first one. Jeez. Wow. Oh yeah, I'm surrounded by <laughs> you know Hall of Famers left and right, and I'm this you know young pup and. It was tough. It yeah. was tough. It was great. It was great, man. I traveled with those guys, and I saw a lot of really awesome things. And I'll never forget, I saw guys who are in the Hall of Fame now, and I would have bet dimes to donuts that their knees were shaking when Michael was just walking past them in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. You know, these, you know, Carl Malone is a brilliant player, and he is, you know, there's probably only 20 guys that are in the same conversation with him in terms of quality of player. But I saw 10 feet away, his eyes darting back and forth when he knew that Michael was about to take the ball from him. You know, it was... <laughs> Wow. It was amazing, you know, some of the things that those Bulls teams did just by throwing their shoes out there. Um, so that was really cool. But in terms of access and in terms of, you know, hearing stories, no, that was I was low on the list of priorities. So I would say, you know, Clifford's got great stuff. Yeah. Steve Clifford's got wonderful stuff. He just name drops left and right, but it's cool name drops. And it's not like he's, he's you know, it's like, oh, I had dinner with Bill Russell. He's just quoting assistant coaches, you know, from 17 years ago when he first got in the league. And, He's just dropping Stan Van Gundyisms and 
Um, you look in Duck Cheneyisms and John Cheneyisms and old basketball minds, you know, and I really love that stuff, man, because uh, it just scratches me right where I itch. I really like the stories that he tells. And I think he is, when I first got here and he got the contract extension, I was like, Steve Clifford, great, okay, really extension, really? Was there, you know, what did he do during this? You know, I he obviously did wonderful things, yeah. but sure. I, I didn't really know who he was, and just from an outsider's perspective, I was like, oh, okay. Now that I've gotten a chance to watch the way he coaches, to watch the way that he deals with his team, to watch the way that he deals with the media, he is the entire package. And yeah. You'd be a fool not to give him as long a contract as you want because he's got a good message, and the message resonates because people listen to him because they respect him, and he's interesting. You know, those are the two big things. And uh, I think he's an absolute gem, and I'm so glad that he's committed long-term to this one's franchise because – you can't do any better than him, no doubt about it. Yeah, I think you. I don't think you're alone. First of all, and kind of not knowing maybe who Clifford was or or some of his credentials when he came in. I mean, a lot of fans probably didn't either. But I tell you what, we could listen to him talk basketball and and go on for all pressers day. for days. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, I could listen to him talk baseball for days. That's right. And uh, big O's fan. Yeah. Warrior, and uh, I'm not even a soccer guy at all. But I know that if I wanted to, he could tell me and be interesting about. Uh, you know, English soccer for days and days and days. He talks about um, English Premier League soccer with Nick Batum all the time, and that's a, it's a really a huge gift is he's able to talk on everyone's level what they want to talk about to some degree. Wow. Uh, the foreign players in the league, you know, the younger players, the older players, players in varying backgrounds, he's, he finds something and he's able to go, and he, it humanizes him and gives him a relationship with I think a lot of other coaches may have an issue with, have a hard time doing, but he has zero issues. Well, uh, Eric, you're, you're, we're going to get you out of here real soon, but we've got to talk about this. You're known by Hornets fans and fans of this show for your catchphrases and your exciting calls. None more famous than after a big Troy Daniels three in Sacramento last season. We called it the miracle <laughs> after midnight. We've got the tape. Let's take a listen to the call. <laughs> Yes, love it. Ama- amazing, Eric. Uh, it just it just uh, lifted the game up to a, a, a mythic level. What can you tell us about that moment, and how much thought goes into those type of big play calls, or is it just pure raw emotion? Oh yeah, that, no thought goes into it all. I spent <laughs> you know six hours before we broadcast thinking about all these different stories I could tell and little anecdotes and tidbits. But I never think about choice of words. I never think about any of that kind of stuff. But I do remember that game because I was absolutely terrified. The minute the game ended, my voice was darn near close to being gone. And uh, I think if memory serves, you know, we were in Sacramento, and the Panthers were playing the NFC Championship game, or maybe it was the divisional playoff. But I'd watched the game the day before, and I think maybe I'd had, you know, maybe one too many. I should have had more water than beer. Sure, sure, sure. sure. Well, We've all been there. So, and the game was late at night. I was probably dehydrated. And the game, of course, goes into all those overtimes. And I'm really pumping my voice. And I woke up the next day and I said, my goodness, I don't think I can do it. We went down to Utah. And our interest game was against the Jazz in Salt Lake City. And I was terrified the entire day that I wasn't going to be able to have my voice. And I didn't know what to do. I didn't know if we had a backup plan. So, if there was actually a student of vocal range, they would notice that in that Utah game, there was very little vocal range. I was just straight down the middle, 
And uh, I was not going to go up or down just because I didn't know if my voice was going to make it the whole day. But well, that was a really fun game. I love that Sacramento. I love Trey Daniels. Yeah. That guy could stroke it. I mean, yeah, absolutely struck it. And you saved the best for last, Eric. And uh, you had you had Hornets players fouling out, your voice almost fouling out, uh, but you but you <laughs> saved it. And and uh, just an epic call. We'd be lying if we said we weren't huge fanboys of your calls and catchphrases. You've inspired us so much, Eric, that we each have a call. Uh, David and I have a call. We'd like to float your way. We're competitive oh, here. I'll use tomorrow. What do we got? Sure. Well, All right. Well, well, don't, well, don't, don't make oh, promises yeah. until you hear this. <laughs> We're competitive here, so it would mean a lot if you did uh, select a winner between David and I. All right, uh, David, would you like to go first? Yeah, I'll go first. Now, now stick with me here, Eric. Now, I, I appreciate I appreciate the manners in which you put forth. You know, your your, your how do you do? I think is the classic to me, and it's just sure. nice. It's like a how do you do? So I couldn't come up with anything that catchy, so I went with a little more formal. Now it goes a little something like this. That is how you properly introduce yourself to your neighbor. <laughs> Don't use. All right, I'm going to so, so it would go somewhat, a little something like this. Kemba swings the ball around, finds Batum, throws it up top to Zeller. That is how you introduce yourself to your neighbor. I don't know. About, ah, I don't know about I that. All right. that. Okay. I, 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 I got an actual right, one here next. for you. All right. Here's what, that's okay. an actual one. All right. When a, when a small guard lays down a ferocious jam, I've got one for you here. All right. Lamb with the steal, and oh my, hit him with the backcourt brawn, the slim slam. <laughs> crickets. There's crickets on that one. Hey, backcourt brawn, the slim slam. The slim slam. Anyway. We can text these That's to you. So yeah, yeah, we've got we've got about <laughs> nine we've we got about ninety of these, so don't worry. We're gonna text these all to you, Eric. Um but, but it, yeah, so so what do you think? Slim slam or uh, introduce yourself to your neighbor? I think introduce yourself to your neighbor. <laughs> no. <laughs> No. Yeah, sorry about that. All right, that's Tune okay. Tune in Wednesday. Slim Slam, you guys in the business. <laughs> I would absolutely screw that up. That's a total tongue twister. You got to stay away from the Slim Slam. That, yeah, that, well, that's true. You got to get that, uh, what's the vocal warm-up? Unique New York, unique New York. <laughs> uh, How many hats does Gary have? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Thanks for joining us, Eric. Thanks for playing along with us. Good luck yeah. with the rest of the season. You bring a lot of excitement to Hornets broadcast, and you brought it for this show. Love to have you back later this season. Hey, anytime you guys want, man. You guys got my number. I'd love to. All right. Thanks, Eric. Great stuff there from that was awesome. the greats. Eric Collins. Just so, some interesting things there uh, in, in that. Maybe he has the best stories. The story was amazing. That was a great. The the, the Bulls into their run being there. I Can you imagine? That'd be like that. Justin just down there on the sidelines with be, MJ. Oh, man. <laughs> I, I could. Oh man! Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Like he said, it's not exactly. Like I Clifford. can't. Clifford, it's it's Phil Jackson at the height I, of their just. I see. Royalty. I see Jordan sitting across from our seats in the arena, and I get a little. I get a couple of butterflies. I'll be honest. Oof. I'm supposed to be a professional. I understand that. Here's a couple of interesting things. The do as the locals do. His uh, his his attitude it. on, um, you know, going to an away game. And experiencing that, and and you can hear that in the broadcast, David. He brings he, those he tidbits. Does. He does uh, very often, and then the way they push each other. I think that's very interesting as they enter year two, um, trying to bring get in depth. And you know, we there are a lot of broadcasts that that do that. Um, <laughs> people are already laughing at my slim slam on uh, YouTube and Twitter. <laughs> the slim slam, come on. <laughs> It's because they're, sl- they're small. I really, I spent, I was literally sweating last night trying to think of something. This is very disappointing. Well, you're talking to the master. I mean, it's hard to come up with something. He loved yours, David. 
Gosh, can you imagine? He, he beats you down. He's he's probably watching. He, he's probably watching the broad. See, you get you get um, prejudice because of your hair. Oh, and, stop it with the hair! Um, Come on. No computer. He doesn't use a computer. I love that. He's old school, Justin. Old and, he school. Know, and he knows Mike Tirico. He, he apparently knows everybody. Dude, Tirico's like the goat. He yeah. does everything. That was great. That was great. Thank oh. you to the Hornets. Thank you to Eric Collins. Fantastic. Because really, we talked about this, Justin, last year. You know that Sacramento game. Calls like that, I feel like, were why Eric Collins was brought in. Yeah, to, 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 to make that call, and and not certainly nothing against Steve Martin. We love Steve Martin; he's a hero. But they brought in um, Eric Collins, and he brought that energy. And that game in particular, look, night had turned into day. That game had gone double overtime. I mean, people were tired. People were a little woozy. And when he hit the high note on that Troy Daniels call. It was like the collective energy of the Hornets fan base and his energy had finally met on the same plane. I and mean, it was magic. The excitement, like you, like as a fan, if you're watching the game, that's exactly how you feel. Yeah. Oh. And then to hear it broadcast, it's, it's great. It's, I like Eric. He brings a, a ton of energy. He's real personable. Like you, you feel it. Like it could be a dry game and listen to him call a game. You'd be like, you know, it's not that bad after all. Like, things are going to get better. All right, we've got your your sneaker segment coming up, David. Ooh. But first, let's get to the question of the show. Was the Cody Zeller extension the right move for the Hornets? Four years, $56 million. A few smart basketball guys certainly think so. Adi Joseph of Sporting News called it savvy. Chris Kroger from WFNZ certainly liked it. Matt Moore from CBS Sports liked the deal better than the Minnesota deal for Gorgie Jang. The Vertical's front office expert Bobby Marks tweets, great value on the Zeller deal based on first-year salary below his free agent cap hold, and it keeps Charlotte below the tax line for next season. Not the cap, but the tax line. That from uh, Bobby Marks. Uh, Any comments on YouTube or Facebook before we uh, get out of this segment? Nothing on Facebook at the moment. All right, so on YouTube, I'm seeing something. Not a who is this, uh, Mark? Yeah, Mark, our buddy Mark. Not a big fan of the signing. They they uh, they are now in a situation where they have limited flexibility in the next mm-hmm. two years. Doug, something you've mentioned. If the MKG yeah. and Zeller don't improve, they run stagnant. But that's a that's a great last point because you look at the last few extensions they've done, the MKG and this one especially. But even the Kemba one, going back when they extended him, it was a bit of a a, a trust deal. I mean, uh-huh. they they were counting on these guys to get better. So I mean, that's definitely a part. Of of it. I'm I'm reserved about this deal for uh, uh, several reasons, and I talked about it a lot this morning. So go check out the morning uh, this morning show if you want to hear sort of my deeper thoughts on it. But I'm, I'm reserved about it not because I don't think the deal is good. I think it's a savvy deal if taken on its own. Fourteen million dollars yep. a year is the new nine million, and for a player of of Cody Zeller's ilk, who he's he's solid. I know I hate that word, hate but that word, I do. But it, it describes Cody Zeller perfectly because he's good, not great on both ends of the floor. He's a balanced player, something that Steve Clifford likes. Clifford was asked about it today at practice, and he said, you know, he's a smart player. He's professional. He's hardworking. And so, you know, is that worth $14 million a year for a guy that already knows the system? Probably, because it's it's not as easy as we all think to find guys who – uh, uh, do put in the kind of work on his game that Cody Zeller does. Is he necessarily going to have a crazy high ceiling? No, but um, he is improving. We've seen improvements in the first couple of games. Here's why I'm reserved. That was a lot of reasons why I shouldn't be reserved, but here's why I am. Because when you stack it with MKG's deal, $13 million. When you stack it with Kimba's deal, $12 million. L- Long-term deals. Uh, and then Nick Batum's deal. Suddenly, the Hornets are cash-strapped for not just next season – but seasons down the line, they're not going to be able to hold on to Roy Hibbert. And uh, I, I feel like 
look, if, if you love this core of players and you love winning 45 to 50 games a year, yeah. then, then you love this deal and you love this core. But I feel like, I guess it's part of it is me. P- part of me thought that they had one more Nick Batumian move left mm-hmm. in them, one mm-hmm. more player of Batum's stature that they could sneak into the Hornets organization and then re-sign. This eliminates that, and I think... For now, right? I mean, for now. if things stay the same, right, Justin? Because you never know what's going to change. I mean, but but I think you're right. They're trying to build a core. Mm-hmm. They're trying to put together a core that's going to win 45, 50 games a year and build that success so then they can you know, make one big move if it presents itself, I guess. Justin, last thought. I, I'm actually a, a fan of it. And I, I agree with you, Doug, on on it being a I mean, excuse, David being on a trust right. deal, because it is right. Th- there's a culture like of of guys that they like, and then guys they believe in. And Cody has gotten better each year, and now he he's not going to have a crazy ceiling. But and also being strapped for cash, they believe that if you keep this group together, mm-hmm. and they get better collectively every year, you're not going to go out and have to make a nice extra move because you say we have it all in house. We have our core guys locked up. And we're ready to roll. And and I, th- I just even like watching the guys work, they see that in Cody. Say, okay, we saw what happened with Kimball. We saw him get better. We see what MKG is doing, and we see him getting better. And Cody, you're cut from that same cloth. And we feel like if we if we lock you up, you're going to continue to do the same thing, and we're going to have a bright future. And Daniel, we'll get Daniel the last word here. Uh, Daniel likes the deal. That's below market value, and another great deal made by Trader Cho, also a yeah. tradable contract. Well, Daniel, I'll say this: it's tradable. If he continues to develop, if he doesn't, if this is it, then I don't think it's that tradable. Um, and Daniel finishing up there, I'm not advocating for a trade, but that's an added benefit. So we'll, we'll talk about this more, obviously, as the, the days and weeks go on, keeping an eye on Cody Zeller's continued development. He has 1.7 blocks over three games, small sample size, but... He's, he's learning that verticality. I think Roy Hibbert and Patrick Ewing have taught yeah. him a thing or two. And I'll, I'll say this is the last thing on Cody because okay. I've called for him to be stronger uh, just overall. But, I mean, that white side game, I mean, he did not back down. He was sat on. He couldn't get up. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he did not back down from white side. And that is a big guy. I mean, and that's going to continue to be a thing. So, I mean, I, thought, I think that was good to see there was no back down. Just got to get more consistent. Maybe hit one or two of those jumpers because they're going to be there. All right, David, it's time. It's time for it's time for D and D's kick picks. Ooh, a new segment. Yeah, go for oh, it. Oh, we're ready. Okay, yeah, we're ready. I, I we're ready to roll. Is my man Daniel on the line? No, no. Well, I don't have any. I don't have any <laughs> for this one. Yeah, let's get Daniel Coughlin in yeah, here. Yeah, Daniel, yeah. how are you? Hey guys, doing well. How are you? Good. Awesome, awesome, Miles. So for this new segment, guys, we are bringing in our friend Daniel Coughlin of At The Hive and many, many, many other internet sites because he, like myself, and maybe some other people in the room, have a true sickness when it comes to sneakers. Isn't that right, Daniel? Yeah. um, uh, My wife isn't in the same room as me, but I can feel her glaring at me through the wall. That's on purpose. He was like, listen, he's he's like whispering, hey, guys, let's talk about some sneakers. I am familiar with that glare and I know it well. Uh, so let's get right into this. I want to talk about a few of the big players in the, at the start of the season here. And then some of our picks for some of the good shoes that are coming out right now, Daniel, every year, uh, to start the season, we typically see some players debut new shoes. Nike's played with that release date a little bit. Um, but this year we're seeing right out of the gate, the Steph Curry three. Now the last time we saw Steph Curry, 
he was getting unloaded with memes upon meme oh, upon yeah, meme with his uh, Steph Curry 2 low, the dad edition. Um, but, hey, they, they sold. But, Daniel, where do you stand on this Steph Curry line? I mean, it's been wildly successful, really, for what they've tried to do. But but are you liking any of these and, and the three especially? Um, my take on it is, uh, as the saying goes, they're really living off the strength of the name, um, you know, to borrow a Wu-Tang reference there. Um, yes. They, what they're doing is they're, I haven't seen the three like in person yet. So that's the difficult. It looks to me like the problem was right. It looks really similar to his last shoe, which you see with a lot of developments uh, yep. for players like Derek Rose with Adidas, right? Like didn't each year it was a subtle change more than it was like a radical change after he got into his first and second year of sneakers. Um, I, my hope is, is that they're going to improve the quality um, I think Curry is clearly deserving of his own shoe. I mean, you look at some of the other people who have shoes. I mean, if Carl Anthony can have a shoe, you know, he's a great player. But if he can have a shoe, then I, you know, I think Steph Curry definitely has earned the right to have his own signature model as well. So For sure. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's the thing, right? The kids are buying these, but to your point, like the first couple of models, you couldn't find them. Like the MVP models, they dropped. Like you couldn't get them maybe in Charlotte, maybe in San Francisco. But, uh, I mean, that's a different scenario. But, yeah, it, you kind of want them to step their game up design-wise for me. I mean, I've never even seen this shoe in person either, but I'm getting the thumbs down from my man Justin over here. So we'll move on to the next one. This one <laughs> this one, I kind of do like. This sneaky signature from James Harden a year after getting unloaded with, what, $200 million on his front doorstep from Adidas. They finally come out with the shoe, and I kind of like it. Daniel, have you seen this Harden yeah, too? Or this Harden one? Yeah, Justin likes it. Yeah, you're not alone on that. That is that is a shoe that looks real good. Yeah, and for what this I hear, whole, the whole new ad- Go ahead. The Adidas line in general, what they've been doing the the, the Lillard twos. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also I'm also a big fan. I know I know it got roasted when when that Andrew Wiggins shoe came out, um, but that crazy explosive prime knit. Yeah, I mean that's the boost. I I think the boost. The problem is you're gonna have skeptics until people try it, and I think with with having name brands, you know, uh, people being so committed to the, you know, to their particular brands and loyal that, you know, the boost might not get out there to as many people, but yeah, I'll, that, that hardened shoe looks so nice. Yeah. I like that one. And all the colorways, right. We've got this picture of this like salmon, uh, toad one that's coming up here. I don't know what the name of that one is, but I like that one. And I of course, it's, I believe it's salmon toad. It's salmon one. toad. Yeah. Salmon toad one. Um, <laughs> but of course it's a low, but it looks good. I mean, they just went the right way. If they want to take their time and put up stuff like that, you know, I'm all for it. The last guy that I want to bring up, we actually don't have a picture of this shoe folks, but we do have a picture of what was supposedly to be, the is it is it this one you that, have to kind of tell the me the LeBron okay. fourteen right. Daniel have did you see this leak photo of this black boot that looks like Batman's throwaway it does it's got some hiker in it that's for sure it seems to be the new trend right they're they're trying they're trying to go lumberjack here you know really cat cash in on that new hipster wave or whatever the, next thing you know they're all going to have beards too right the, yeah the, yeah that do, massive wood cutting market do, do you have any hope that the lebron 14 because I, I wasn't a huge fan of the 13 and he's wearing the soldier you know until they get something else out right but do you have any hopes that the new signature for lebron will be a step in the right direction as far as i don't know just aesthetics i uh i'm reserved on it i feel like if you I think what they're, I don't know. I, I don't feel like, how do I say this? 
it looks like a shoe that is innovative, right? Because it doesn't look like a lot of other basketball shoes. Yeah. But it also looks like they took some of the most popular components of one of their most popular shoes, the Air Jordan 11. And then they combine that with essentially what you have on the Adidas Ultra Boost, the, the sock that goes, that basically that knit that they have around your foot, right. but especially right around the heel and on the tongue, like that's, it kind of looks like they just took those two things and maybe some laces off it, you know, off an Adidas Yeezy. So I feel like it almost looks like what you'd expect more from an Adidas shoe than from a Nike shoe. So in that sense, I guess maybe it's an innovation, right? (laughs) All right. One more. One more. All right, Daniel, to wrap this thing up, Black Friday is coming up. We're going to skip over our summer selections because summer's gone. Black Friday is coming up. Always a big release for the sneaker fans out there. What's the one shoe you're looking for to pick up during the holiday season? Uh, holiday season. I'm, you know, I'm going to try and grab a few, right? But I'm going to, I'm going to, my primary is going to be a pass on that Black Friday, even though the true blue with the original Nike Air branding, mm. uh, you know, I'm pass on that because the Space Jam 11s, uh, you have to go with them. Nike just today through Foot Locker uh, dropped um, some of those Space Jam shirts, like the officially licensed merchandise yes and um supposedly the 11 is going to have the 45 stitching instead yes. of the 23 on the heel and they're going to make the color more true to what he wore in that you know in the actual like movie mm-hmm. so for me you know being uh, a person can't still can't let go of the 90s so i gotta go for that i like this one i don't the one we're showing on screen right now i know you can't see it daniel i don't know what <laughs> so, it is but i'd buy so, these so, so daniel uh, doug's got up the band ones right now and i'd take those. it's so funny because i got a text from him when they were coming in. he's like yeah i might pick some of these up and I was just like, all right. I like well. the I, I like the retro, isn't it just the Air Jordan retro or whatever? I like that. Yeah. I'll probably grab those for myself. I don't know. I don't I know. Guys, I, I don't know much about shoes. I don't know if you knew this. Uh, not <laughs> no, shoes. that's a good choice. <laughs> it's just forte. you can't find them unless you know someone or have uh, a kidnap someone's Who's child. someone? Know someone. Well, Daniel knows people. He's got he's still got hookups. But I'm going to go with the True Blue 3, Daniel. That's my pick, folks, uh, for, for the uh, for, for the holiday. Shoe. Yeah. Well, we, we, we didn't get to cover all of the shoes, Daniel, so we'll definitely have you back on for another sne- sneaker segment. Uh, D&D's kick picks we'll have some music next time too uh thanks so much daniel for joining us thanks for having me have a great night guys not horrible not horrible no listen this is live that's what people have to understand we're <laughs> this is all new like i think i i boinked the beginning of that eric collins segment but we got through it you know i mean that's that's the it's sort of the it's like snl you know sometimes uh that's that's part of the the energy and the and the fire that, well, that hey, goes into this if anyone has sneaker questions email those to D and I'm just kidding. We don't have an email for that. But <laughs> seriously, I can make one. If that was, if that segment wasn't horrible, maybe we'll do a few more. And yeah. maybe the Hornets will wear some cool stuff. Well, so and we'll you, focus that. You, well, you make a great point, David. If you like something on this show, tweet us at Locked On Hornets or um, Buzz Buzz at LockedOnHornets.com. That's our email address. If you don't like something, tell us that too, because we want to know what you think. We're we're trying to figure this whole thing out, and so uh, we got some uh, good reviews on the interview that we did with Eric Collins. Uh, but if there's something you go, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know about this. I don't know about this denim jacket. Denim jacket. It's a bold choice. I like it. Um, hey, it's fall. That's right. It's in. <laughs> okay. It's speaking in. of November. segments, we're trying out. This is a new one for the entire show. It's called Phase or Stays. It's uh, time to uh, get this new segment launched. We'll lay out some stats or things we're seeing and determine whether it's an outlier or a trend, whether it's a phase or whether it's here to stay. 
this is the perfect time to do this, guys, only three games into the season, because honestly, we have no idea if these small sample sizes are real or fake. So first up, we'll do these real quick. Nick Batum's shooting percentages. It's been a struggle to begin the season for this highly paid guard. 27.3% from the field, 21.1% from beyond the arc. David, is this a phase or a stays? That's a phase. That's a phase, fellas. Uh, that's not the type of player Nick Batum is. We haven't seen mm-hmm. these numbers since he was injured his last year in Portland. So I'm going to say he gets back in the groove of things and becomes that second complement or that complimentary player to Kimball Walker. All right, Justin, phase or stays? Too talented. It's a phase. I think it's a phase, too. And I think here's the big thing. He talked about this after practice today. Jeremy Lamb's absence will cause some guys, I think, to really – Lock in yep. and, and, and get, uh, Lock get going. On Lock on. Locked on Podcast Network. <laughs> All right, next up, assist-to-turnover ratio, 2.56. It leads the league, the Hornets' assist-to-turnover ratio. They are definitely sharing the ball, but a lot of it has to do with an absurdly low nine turnovers per game. Is this a phase or a stays, David? That's a stays. Uh, this team was excellent at holding on to the ball last year. That's a staple of Clifford's offense. And with the way they want to move the ball when they're going well, they should be able to still get some of those assists, especially with Batum and once he gets more involved in the offense. So that's a stay for me. Clearly a stay. Under Clifford, they rarely turn the ball over. I think for the past three years, they've been number one in the league. And um, yeah, Three years like, in a row. Yeah, he don't like for the ball to stick, so. No turnovers, the assists will keep going. Three years in a row, I think they make it four years in a row. That's definitely a stays for me. And I think it's impressive because their passing, to me, has looked better than it has in three years. I think their their bigs are passing at a rate that we haven't seen yeah, in three years. Yeah, especially to start, right? Yeah, and when bigs pass, so, sometimes that's where the turnovers happen. And they're and not they're, scoring yet. <laughs> so, right. so the assists should go up. Exactly. Yeah, there are definitely some missed assists. All right, here's an NBA one. The top three teams in three-point shooting right now are the Spurs, the Grizzlies, and, get this, the Chicago Bulls. Yeah, that, yeah. Phaser stays. That's what we should ask Daniel about. How are they doing that? Hey. Uh, that is a phase, my friends. There's no effing way the Bulls continue to shoot like that. Uh, I, I can't even believe it. They've scored, what, 105, 118, and, like, 110? Clearly a phase. D-Wade, Rondo, nor Butler can shoot. Now, the Grizzlies are attempting 26.7 and still hitting them at a 43.8 clip. It's absolutely amazing. Meanwhile, the Hornets are shooting a below average 29.9% from three and attempting 25.7 per game. That will have to change if the Hornets, uh, that will definitely need to be a phase for the Hornets. All right, finally, guys, there's this for phaser stays. Say uh, oh, Gatling yes. gun. Have you seen this, Justin? T-shirt cannon that the Hornets premiered <laughs> against Boston. Look at this thing. I we, mean, first of all, we posted this on on Instagram. It has all fourteen point seven thousand views, which just confirms every theory we've had about how excited people get for. Uh, t-shirt tosses but look at this thing amazing what they did was how can we amp people up even more and it's more speed more t-shirts more revolutions and 90 sitcom more power oh, 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 oh. <laughs> um so phaser stays justin what do you think is the the gatling gun t-shirt here to stay oh it's staying i have a bad history with these things i usually get hit <laughs> once a year with a yeah, shirt i was gonna say uh, i don't have the greatest of history so i'm gonna have to keep my head on the swivel this season. well you make a good point yeah. this could be a phase and, and if that, there's a lawsuit that's why i'm going phase this thing gets out of control one time and goes directly into the front row 
We're not going to see any more T-shirts. Look at okay? this. Yeah, these are this is a powerful weapon. They have to point that thing way. I mean, up. you've got a man in a bug outfit uh, uh, if, operating this thing. Okay. <laughs> is it, hey, does he have a, does he have a license to operate is that thing? Operating? Someone's going to get decked. I just hope it's not me. That's a slim slam. Nope. All right. Uh, oh, <laughs> it'll, it'll stick. Though. It'll I'm gonna, stick. I'm going to try to work it in there. <laughs> oh God. All right. Let's. Uh, can we get one more comment here? Uh, yeah, here's one from Mark. Would love to hear your guys' take on how big having a guy like Spencer Hawes is on this team, a guy who may not play uh, one game, start another, so he doesn't play one game, right. starts another, and then plays big minutes off the bench. They have a few players like this, David, and it is important. Yeah, you've already seen Spencer come in and give some big minutes in that Miami Heat game. He was huge. But that's the that's the type of guys that Clifford and this group have put together. Veterans, experienced. They know what they can get when they go in there. And they know if Spencer's good for two, maybe three floaters in the lane. But they're going to overlook those. I mean, we kid with Spencer. But I thought he was fantastic in that Miami game. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was really good to start the season. So I think, yeah, he is. Uh, he's a valuable piece. And he may not play a lot. But you saw that even like last year, even, okay, Hansborough almost never played but when they went in he you know banged and did what they asked him to do so that's what they formed here a lot of people don't think of depth when they think of good teams and you need guys like this Clifford raved about Brian Roberts that was always ready Troy Daniels Mm -hmm. and Spencer Haas is one of those guys in order to be good you're going to deal with injury and you need depth and Spencer Haas when his name is called he's usually ready I well listen I've seen Spencer Hawes do some head scratching things on a basketball court but one thing that I've never seen Spencer Hawes do is give anything less than 100%. I mean he's out there he's intense and I think that intensity sometimes uh, that aggressiveness can sometimes lead him astray especially in his post offense but uh, he gives it everything he has and uh, especially for a utility guy uh, it's just absolutely um, just one of those things you can't replicate. Okay Time uh, now. We've got time for one last thing, and this one uh, comes. We'll, we'll do one more Halloween thing, even though we're past Halloween. Uh, <laughs> uh, this was from the Hornets uh, Twitter account, and they also have some video up of it on Hornets.com. Cody Zeller, Spencer Hawes, and Travion Graham and Hugo visiting a children's hospital, dressing up as uh, some uh, Avengers. Uh, looks like Travion is Iron Man. And then oh. we got Captain America, Cody Zeller, Spencer and has to be Thor, Thor. Okay. and Spencer is Thor. <laughs> okay. I just, I, so I think who's it's Hugo. <laughs> he didn't dress up. Uh, no, not a fan. Uh, not he, a fan well, here's what I noticed: no poor Travion Graham. He, you know, he's got to wear the mask. He's rookie. like the one guy that the rookie has to wear the full mask. He's lucky he got Iron Man. Like yeah. we're not. I mean, we can't. We can't really confirm that that's Travion Graham, other than they tell us it's Travion Graham. What if sources. Travion is in the Hugo outfit and then Hugo is Iron Man? I mean, it, it's a uh, dipsy do. <laughs> oh, geez. Okay. Well, um, <laughs> that'll, that'll do it for us. Uh, thanks for listening to this live edition of Locked on Hornets. And thanks to our guest, the great Eric Collins. A hat tip and a how do you do to the gift guru, Kurt, for helping us out with some video on this episode, some pics and vids. Follow us on Twitter at Locked on Hornets. Subscribe to us on iTunes and stay up to date on the Hornets every day. For David, I'm Doug. Go Hornets. Go America. Let's form Charlotte. See you tomorrow.
price with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.